Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lindy Morelli is a woman from Scranton, and she contacted me and said that, you know, she had a story to tell and uh, hopefully to offer some, some hope to people who are also victims. Lindy, thank you for calling us. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you. I understand you're on your way back from Michigan calling us. Is that correct? Yes, we are. We're just... Um, <laughs> Well, we're driving along in the rain. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry to have to ask you, but can you tell us a little bit about the, the tragedy that you suffered? Oh, I, I don't mind sharing it at all. It was 30 years ago. I was 20, 23 years old. I was in Ireland visiting with some friends, and I, was, I, I went through sexual abuse for 12 days, which culminated in an aggravated indecent assault in Ireland, which is considered a violent crime. And, and this was a clergyman? Yes was a priest, an Irish priest. Okay, and and you're blind, correct? Yes, I am. And so not only was this a, a violation of you as a person, but a violation of a person with disabilities. Yes. Now, when you see this grand jury report, I mean, did, you, did, you, did something in you say finally that it's about time? Uh, well, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, I wasn't really surprised by anything in the grand jury report. I know that in order for the church to be purified, um, you know, things have to be exposed. And I, I think it just had to be that way. You know, it's a sad and tragic fact in one respect. But on the other hand, it's not sad or tragic. It's In my mind, it's going to end up to be a very positive thing in the end. Now, I, I want to ask you a question. Now, this was how many years ago? 26, did you say? 30. 30 years okay, ago. thirty years ago, when when you comp when you complained or when you brought this information to authorities, did they treat you like you were the, you were the bad person that was squealing on a priest? I mean, what kind of pushback did you get? Uh, at that time, the church wasn't handling; uh, they weren't addressing matters the way they are now. Um, you know, it was before the Dallas Charter. It was it was before nineteen nineties when bishops realized that you know just moving a priest from one place to another and giving them some type of minimal rehab treatment was they thought that was going to address the problem but they didn't know it wasn't addressing the problem they th i think in all due fairness to, to bishops i think they thought that it was addressing it and i think maybe they just i don't want to make excuses for them but i think also there were other problems with bishops maybe some of them are in their own homosexual rings or who, who knows it's a very complicated problem but in my situation Yes, uh, at that time, I did feel like I did receive a lot of hostile uh, treatment, and I did feel as though I was made to feel like I was the enemy. That what, that was definitely part of what was the experience I had. Well, is is it, you know, is it part of, I, I don't even know if the, this is the right phrase, the healing process, is it part of, of, of what you need to do to come forward? For people who are listening now, for how hard is it to come forward as a victim, and how important is it to do so? Well, for me personally, it was, I mean, my conscience, because I am a dedicated Catholic Christian, and I was at that time, and I still am, I didn't see any other option except to come forward, because to me, the biggest thing that was 
I mean, even bigger than the actual sexual abuse was the spiritual abuse that I felt I suffered, which was that there was too much of a juxtaposition between someone who was, you know, consecrating mass every day and who was, uh, you know, living a holy life or, or espousing to her or claiming to her or whatever and having this grave sin. I, I couldn't live with that. I simply could not live with that. So, I mean, I had no problem coming forward about that. All right, Lindy, I'm going to ask you to hold on just a second because I want to talk about, about how you got through the tragedy yourself. So hang on if you were continuing our conversation with the young lady from Scranton, Lindy Morelli. Lindy, you said that you were abused by a priest in Ireland 30 years ago. Yes. That, that just reminds us that this is not a Pennsylvania problem. It's a worldwide problem. Yes, it is. Now, I, I, I'm sure that it has left scars. How, how did you deal with it? How did you get through it? Well, I didn't, you know, when it first happened, I know a lot of people say that it's, and I understand this completely, that it's very hard to forgive. But I guess from my perspective, I forgave the person who committed the crime immediately because I have experienced forgiveness myself by God and by others. And I guess for me, forgiveness, the desire to forgive was immediate. It took, a lo it took longer to heal from the sexual abuse. Obviously, that's a deep trauma that anyone can go through and for children it's even worse because children don't have the psychic ability that you know somebody who's fully formed and as adult would, and as an adult would have so for me forgiveness comes in several layers but i had the desire to forgive right away and i wanted goodwill for everybody my only desire my strongest desire was that it wouldn't happen to anybody else and that the church would take care of it that took 15 years to rectify but finally that got taken care of and I didn't go through traditional therapy. I think it was mostly just experiencing the love of other people, finding safe people that I could talk to and express myself to and, and experiencing safety and real love from, you know, maybe good friends or other people like that. I guess everybody has to find their own healing journey. Well, you know, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at some information on the website about you, and it appears that you have taken your personal tragedy and tried to uh, at least reach out and help others. It says here that you got your master's degree from Marywood in counseling. You've done postgraduate work in the fields of addiction, bereavement, spiritual direction, uh, and you you have a uh, a charitable group called the Lighthouse. What what is that? Lighthouse is a uh, small 501 nonprofit uh, C3 organization in Scranton, just in the in our community to help people that are in special need. I guess you could say, sort of falling through the cracks of other systems. We're a ministry, not a social service agency. We try to provide love, hospitality, support, um, and encouragement, spiritual enrichment for people of all walks of life. Okay, but you also mentioned to me when we talked earlier that one of the one of your one of your challenges now is helping people who have been wrongly convicted and are in prison. Yes, that's a that's a big focus of what Lighthouse is doing right now. Why? Uh, why? Because I know that that's also a very serious problem. It's something that isn't addressed. A lot of times, there are probably, I mean, more than people realize. I don't exactly know what the percentages of people in prison who are wrongly convicted, but the justice system has a lot of flaws and a lot of problems. There are obviously, there are good things about it, but there are a lot of things that are really terrible and corrupt about some of the ways that it operates. And one out of every hundred person gets out of prison if they have somebody to fight for them if they're wrongfully convicted. That means that a hundred other people are left because they have no advocate. 
and also the family members of people who go who are in situations like that families suffer when when someone is wrongfully convicted now you know we had a caller uh, right before our our uh, four thirty break that talked about you know how this is going to ultimately affect the Catholic Church. You you remain a faithful Catholic and and you're very involved. Why? I mean, did you ever have a thought of of just walking away from the church? Uh, no, because my I mean, there was a time when I of course was very disillusioned with the the external institutional element of the church. Uh, any, you know, that's like a crisis of faith. Anybody would ask that those questions or have those questions, especially if they had been raised as a traditional Catholic as I was. But I also have and had a very deep personal faith in Jesus as Lord and God and Savior. And I believed everything that the church teaches regarding, you know, the main tenets of our faith, the sacraments, the word of God, a personal relationship with Jesus and all that. And so that is my faith. That's what my faith is based on. I know that the, you know, the hierarchy and things needs healing and change and repentance, but, you know, that, didn't, that doesn't change my commitment to Jesus. Now, how do people get in touch with, uh, with the Lighthouse uh, ministry? Uh, they can look on the web. It's lighthousehealing.org. And, you know, it gives all the information about what we do there. We'd love to help anyone who is in special need of anyone who has suffered clergy abuse, anyone who wants to talk about it or who is in need of healing from any anything whether it's a priest whether it's a perpetrator whether it's a, a priest who's you know in good standing and living a faithful life whether it's a person who has been victimized if they want healing if they want hope then lighthouse is available and i am too well you have a safe trip on your way back to uh, our area from michigan and god bless you lindy i appreciate you talking to us thank you very much all right bye-bye lindy morell all-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.